Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Center with Victor Jackson. Uh, I want to say I appreciate every one of you for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, God has been doing great things. I've been hearing some amazing feedback uh, from our last episode, Mary's Promise. And for those of you that recently purchased my book, A Word to the Broken, an encouragement to those who have endured loss, pain, and betrayal. Um, it's still uh, one of the top books uh, on Amazon, um, and they're proclaiming it as uh, an Amazon bestseller. And um, it's been helping a lot of people. If you know anyone that speaks Spanish, uh, you can let them know that they can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I believe it's through Spotify uh, so that they can hear uh, episodes in Spanish. Um, and for those of you that subscribe to hear uh, me go through the book it, it audio, you know, uh, page by page on, on the podcast, uh, I pray that's been a blessing to you. Uh, I'm excited about this episode um, because what we're going to be dealing with is is a, a passion of mine that is very very important and not only important to me but important to God because God is is calling for people to draw close to him and to reflect him uh, God wants us to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus Christ, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29. That, that is the desire. The desire is to be like him. Uh, at the end of my book, A Word to the Broken, uh, in the epilogue, I wrote a story about the Fritillaria flower that is in China. And this flower can only be found in the mountains. This flower, it takes thousands of pounds of this flower to produce an ounce of medicinal powder that they use for as a cough repressant. And this flower is luminescent green. And it's found in the mountains. And no, there are no herbivores that can get access to this flower in the mountains. But uh, these, these uh, amazing Chinese people would travel into the mountains to go and get this flower that shined luminescent green. And whenever they would go and pick this flower, thousands of pounds of this flower to, to use for medicinal reasons. One day they went to go and pick up this flower like they had at other times, and they could not find the flower. And they couldn't find the flower. They were searching for it. They were looking for it, but it was gone. And it's easy to see because it's luminescent green. But 
as they were looking for this flower, they looked closely at the rocks that this flower was on, was normally on. And as they looked closer at the rocks, they realized that the flower had camouflaged itself to look like the rock, to look like the rocks that it was upon, that it was no longer luminescent green, but now it was like blackish. And this was a phenomenon because they said they're noticing how nature doesn't just adapt to the threats of animals, but it also adapts to the threats of humans. And it was an interesting article that they wrote about how in order for the flower to survive, it camouflaged itself to look more like the rock, look more like rocks. And what an interesting concept that in order for the flower to survive, it had to be willing to uh, forfeit its individuality and blend, camouflage itself with these rocks. And there is a principle there that if we're going to survive the end times, if we're going to survive the, the culture of what's going on in the world, then we have to become more like the rock. And that rock is Christ. That rock is Jesus Christ. That it's easy for us to shine forth in our individuality and in our giftings, luminescent green, but the problem is we're more susceptible to danger. But the safest place is for us to take on the nature and blend with Jesus Christ. We want to take on his attributes. We want to take on his character. We want to take on his nature. And if we do that, we're not just going to survive, but we are going to thrive as a witness to the world. The Bible says that by this shall... You, they know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Love is a contrast to the world. I'm going to say that again. Love is a contrast to the world because you see the world getting increasingly divided, one against the other, this person against that person, this person against that person, and everyone is taking sides. But, but, but the issue is when you take sides, the, it's a divisive side. You, you, you should always take the Lord's side because the Lord came to earth and died for the sins of humanity. And his blood, his name, his kingdom is the only lasting bridge of unity when we meet in Christ. And that's where we have to get, we have to stay in Christ. Um, I, th th this is, this is, this is so important that this principle of being like him, it almost becomes a foreign concept in this time. Uh, I, I remember when there was a incredible, you know, divisiveness in the nation in 2020 and and it, it was it was so bad uh, culminating uh, in the death of George Floyd and it was just amazing to see the type of divisiveness that entered into not only the world but also into churches and 
God told me to go to Minneapolis where the tragedy happened, where the source of the vision was, and to go and preach his name, preach love, preach unity, preach 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 the name of Jesus Christ, preach the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, preach repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, uh, the power of being filled with his spirit. And when he spoke that to me, um, it was, it was uh, amazing because the world was shut down. Churches, um, the majority of churches was shut down. People were kind of staying inside. Uh, but he told me to go to the streets and go and preach uh, his name. Now, people have wanted to know uh, the backdrop of that story. And uh, I think I wanted to rush through it in this episode, but I think it I think it's a good thing to uh, delve into the behind the scenes. Um, and I'm going to delve into the behind the scenes here because I'm I'm trying to illustrate a concept of love that is is biblical and important. You know, Paul said if if, if I have all of these giftings, but I don't have love. I'm a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. Uh, no matter how good we look, good we dress, no matter how uh, gifted we are, if we don't have love, it's it's sounding brass and tinkling symbol. And the world isn't isn't looking for anything other than love, and we have to reflect that. Well, so let me give the backdrop of this. I, I didn't plan on getting into it, but I mean, hey. This is the behind the scenes of, of, of the podcast, and I believe it'll be a blessing. Um, in the end of 2019, two things God told me. He said, number one, you need to buy a home. He said, because in 2020, you're not going to be traveling as much. At the time, I was a... I was uh, an evangelist. I was on 220 flights a year. Uh, I would get called for about, you know, 500, 600 engagements a year. I accepted about 1% of those engagements. I was telling someone the other day, my, my phone has been on silent for about seven years. But I traveled a lot. I didn't travel in the week. I just traveled on the weekends. And at the end of 2019, God said, I need you to buy a home because you are not going to be traveling as much. And then December 2019, he said, not only do I want you to buy a home, but he said, you're going to have like a time of just silence. I don't want you posting any videos of yourself. I don't want you to release any of your books. I just want you to shut shut it down and really not say anything. And so anytime God gives me instructions, I just obey without understanding uh, why he's asking me to do this. So I went on a silence December 2019, and um, we purchased our home uh, in January 2020. 
And when we purchased our home, the roof was like 23 years old. And I was planning on replacing that roof by August 2020 uh, because of uh, the potential of hurricanes uh, coming to Florida. But in February, the Lord said, actually, you need to make sure you replace that roof now as soon as possible. Um, and I was like, well, okay. I mean, that's a, that's a financial sacrifice. We had to put it on the credit card. We replaced the roof. By the time the roof was completed, it was completed, finished, March 15th, 2020. That was the day of the world shutting down. And so I'm on this silence, not posting any videos of myself or anything like that. And I'm planning on to just stay on this on this silence. I didn't know how long it would last. I was writing in my journal. I thought it could last five years, 10 years. I didn't know. I was just uh, being obedient. But then when March 15th hit and the world shut down because of COVID, uh, March 15th is actually the day I received uh, the Holy Ghost uh, several years ago. It's my it's my Holy Ghost birthday. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the first COVID case in China was November 17th, uh, 2019. Uh, that's me and Luisa's anniversary. So uh, I guess me and COVID have an interesting relationship. Uh, so uh, first case on my anniversary, world shut down on March 15th. So y'all y'all keep me in prayer out there. Um, so it shut down and now I'm on the silence and I just saw the world just get divided over everything. Uh, and, and, and the church, I mean, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. Uh, it was just so divisive. I'm going to keep churches running. I'm going to stop church, church services. It, it, people were getting divided over everything and keep in mind, I'm on a silence. And so I'm just pushing love and unity and understanding. And man, it was like I was sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, because in everything, I want to remain uh, biblical. And I'm on a silence and I'm watching the world literally just fall to pieces. Um, it was, it was this, it was, it was a scary time. Um, to see how the the darkness that had just crept in, and one of the and I'm getting a little emotional here because this 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 is uh, I'm giving you I'm giving you my story and how things happen. But while this was happening, I went to. Uh, all the divisiveness in the world. God has me on the silence. Keep in mind, I was still traveling. In 2020, while the world was shutting down, while flights were getting dis decreased, while flights were being, while, while airplanes were being parked in the desert, that many of those airplanes and aircraft have never seen the light of day again. They haven't been used since 2020. They're still parked. Um. While that's happening, I was still traveling. I was on 220 flights in 2020. So I remember going into Orlando 
and uh, the airport where we travel all the time. They they know me. They they've checked in my son since he was an infant. We've had so many uh, relationships developed there, like uh, with Kathleen, uh, with American Airlines, and and Keith, and uh, so many people in the Orlando Airport that we have formed uh, relationships with. Um, I remember going into the airport while this is all happening, and I'm telling you, I mean, people were flying me to go and preach to their empty sanctuaries, and they and they filmed me, and then I would get on a flight home. I was flying in to preach to an empty building across the nation and then flying home. I remember that Easter, I, I flew to Salem, Illinois, preached, um, preached to an empty uh, sanctuary, and then uh, flew right home. Um, that 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 was what I was doing. I was just flying to empty places, preaching and coming home. It was a, it was an odd time. But I remember going into the Orlando airport, and I, I will never forget this, because there wasn't a single passenger in the security line whenever I went to the Orlando airport. Not a single passenger. I was the only passenger when I went into that security line and I went into TSA pre-check and they looked at me like they saw a ghost they said hey what are you what are you doing here I said oh I'm, I'm going on a flight and they're like you don't see the empty all those empty lines like why are you in TSA pre-check I, I wasn't even thinking about it I always go through TSA pre-check uh, I didn't even think about it but I went through I mean they were sweating they were so nervous and scared and got on the airplane. It was just me, the flight attendants, the pilots, and maybe, you know, two other people on the flight. And that was how a lot of my flights were. But Orlando was empty. If you've ever been to Orlando Air Airport, the lines, there's hundreds and hundreds of people. And the lines can go all the way back to the check-in line. There was no one there. Well, in that same breath, I went to Atlanta, one of the largest airports in the world. I flew into um, Atlanta and there wasn't even like like 500 people in the entire airport and there was it was just complete silence if you laugh during this time it was just out of order no one was laughing everyone was serious I remember over the intercom every few minutes the all they would say over the intercom is six feet six feet six feet and to keep six feet distance away from other people. It was an eerie time. I remember I would just cry because I was just so broken by what was going on in the world. So I'm on this silence. I'm traveling. I'm seeing emptiness. I'm seeing everything shut down. I'm interrupted out of my routine, guys, because those that know me know that I have studied at Starbucks since you know 2014. So that's like nine years studying at Starbucks, but Starbucks was shut down. I didn't know who I was, guys. I mean, I couldn't even go to Starbucks to study. I mean, it knocked me out of my element. And it would be like literally two years before I could consistently study at Starbucks again because of uh, the repercussions of COVID. 
Well, as this is going on in April 2020, the Lord starts speaking to me because it's just so scary, guys. I'm, I'm bringing you back to how it was in 2020. It was just so scary, guys, um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. But I remember in a prayer meeting, um, I was I had a Gethsemane moment. And I made up my mind in April 2020. I told God, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what. But I said, God, I am willing to die for this gospel. I am willing to die for this gospel. I don't care if someone wants to put me in prison for preaching the gospel or, or if I lose friends, if I lose family, I will die for this gospel. And it was a powerful moment. That was in April 2020. Well, now in May, there was the death of George Floyd and the world was divided. And it, it, it was so divided. It was so it, it was so bad. It, it actually scared me what was what was coming out of the world's mouth and what was coming out of Christian's mouth because we we're supposed to be the example of love and unity. But God just had me on a silence. And then finally, after the death of George Floyd and all the uh, the protesting and the riots and everything that was going on and and people taking sides, and and just the division and just the 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 ventral and the uh, the vilifying and just how bad it was god told me after 6 months of being on a silence he said okay your silence is over so i was like oh wow i can talk now like like i can actually say something he's like yeah so i said all right here we go I went into my office and I recorded a video, a message to the world about, about love and coming together. After 20 minutes of preaching and sweating, I stopped the video. I was about to post it. The Lord stopped me and said, that ain't it. And I was like, God, could you at least have told me before I spent 20 minutes preaching and sweating in my office, sounding like a crazy man? Uh, because that's during the day people are walking their dogs i mean i mean i probably scared some people with how i was screaming uh in my office um so i deleted the video and now i'm getting depressed because god's releasing me to say something but he says that's not how i want you to release it and so what i did was i went on um i went on instagram and started a live video and I was going to talk about love. And as I was talking about love, I mean, people were just, I mean, people were logging off. I mean, people were like, it, it, like, it was like the message no one wanted to hear. I mean, people were logging off. I'm talking about love and coming together and through Jesus Christ. I mean, and people, people thought I was just preaching. They, the, they didn't think I lived this or, or, are believed in this to the force that I believed in this. They were logging off and God said, delete the life. That ain't it either. So now I'm depressed guys. I, I went into my bed. I, I literally curled up in the fetal position. And for six hours I laid in bed, just weeping 
just crying because God's telling me that I can do something, but I don't know what to do or what to say. My wife had to go take care of our son, James Asher. And as I just stayed in bed with the door closed, weeping and crying with just a burden, not knowing what to do. Finally, God spoke to me and said, Victor, why don't you just go there? Why don't you go there? Why don't you go to Minneapolis where this is happening and declare my name? I started looking for flights. And when I started looking for flights, I could feel the depression start lifting off my shoulders. All of a sudden, I saw the earliest flight out was from Atlanta, six hours away from where I lived. And the earliest flight out was at 8.45 that morning, directly on a Delta flight, 8.45 to 10 a.m. I, I had to humble myself and fly Delta instead of American. Amen. Amen. I'm kidding, guys. I love Delta. I love Delta. Uh, but it was the only flight Delta came through for me. I love Delta. I just don't I just don't like all my flights going through Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I just don't want to be that dependent on Atlanta. It's like someone said, like, if you die and go to heaven, you don't go straight to heaven. You go straight through Atlanta if you're a Delta, if you're a Delta uh, customer. Uh, you don't even get raptured up quick. You got to stop in Atlanta on the way to heaven. And so uh, for me, I didn't want to spend all my time in Atlanta. So I do American where there's a hub in Miami, a hub in Charlotte, hub in uh, New York, uh, Chicago, Dallas, uh, places like that. Um, and so, but I love Delta. Now, I, all those that fly Delta, I love and respect you. Amen. So, so Delta came through for me because if I were to fly from Orlando, it, I wouldn't have got in to... Minneapolis till late later in the afternoon and evening because remember there wasn't a lot of flights left so the earliest flight was from Atlanta uh, it was like an 8 45 a.m flight I would get into Minneapolis at 10 so I booked that flight and I scared the daylights out of my wife I'm telling you what guys so you guys are getting the backstory on how my wife reacted as well uh I booked the flight, and I'm telling you, when I booked the flight, the depression left. And I went to my wife. I said, babe, I'm, I'm going to Minneapolis. She said, huh? <laughs> I said, I'm going, I'm going to Minneapolis. I'm going to pre And remember, there, people were angry. You know, things were being burned. I mean, it was, it was, it was chaos. It, it, was, it was mayhem. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going. And so she went into our prayer room. Uh, we had a prayer chapel uh, at our home at the time, and she started praying. I went in to start praying, and I'm telling you, uh, the Lord stopped me from praying. And I told Luis, I said, "Listen, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna pray anymore." I said, "I've been praying the last six months." I said, "I got to come out of the prayer room and I got to do something." And she was like, "Babe, I, I, I respect that, and I, and I support, and I support you in that." So. I left my home at at midnight, and when I left my home at midnight, I uh, started driving, and it took about six hours. I got into Atlanta at about 6.30, 6.45, and got on 
my flight and got into Minneapolis at 10. Um, and when I got into Minneapolis at 10, I typed in the address to where everything was happening. I thought initially that I would be able to pray for like a few people, a few police officers here, a few protesters there. But when I got down to where the tragedy happened, um, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in those streets. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Where it happened, it was about 23 minutes away from the Minneapolis airport where the death occurred. So I rented a vehicle. I went down there. I didn't know what I was doing. All I knew is I was going to pray for people. I drove down there. As soon as I drove down there, I parked my car. I got out of the car. And as soon as I got out of the car, I just started going up to people. I said, I'm here from Florida. How can I pray for you? And and they said, we have this prayer request. Please pray for our city. So I was praying with people. I prayed with doctors. I prayed with, I prayed with all types of people in those streets. Uh, there was a church that was handing out food um, that I went uh, connect with them and prayed over that church, that pastor in that church and down in that Minneapolis area. Uh, there were other people that were cooking food um, for like the police officers and the protesters. Now, this was the first day that they were doing the National Guard uh, shutdown where there was a curfew at 8 p.m. So a lot of the, uh, there were some police officers that were there, but there were some police officers that were still getting trained, uh, getting ready to, um, um, you know, initiate the curfew at 8 p.m. that day. It was on a Saturday. And so I was praying for people. And then when I went down into where the death occurred, there were millions of flowers on the streets. And there were just thousands of people of every nationality there. And as they were there, they looked like sheep without a shepherd. That, that's that's what it, what it looked like. They they were, it's like they were aimless. They were looking for direction. No one uh, was giving any direction. And so, I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to pray for these people. I've been praying for people individually, one by one. But I'm, I want to pray for all of them. And so there was a person nearby. I said, "What's your name?" He said, "Peter." I said, "Peter, could you hold my phone and just?" Uh, press record because I'm going to pray for these people. And I think people need to see uh, the love and unity uh, that is represented here with all of us coming together. And Peter said, sure. Well, listen, I didn't know who Peter was. I, I mean, he, Peter could have stole my phone. He could have took my phone and ran off. I mean, you, this is just under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Well, I went up in the middle of uh, that that crowd and said, can I have your attention, please? I said, we're going to have prayer. We're going to believe for love and unity. And I believe there's still hope in this city. I said, everyone gather together around me. Let's pray. 
hundreds of people gathered gathered around me. There were thousands of people in those streets, hundreds upon hundreds gathered around me. I said, we're going to honor social distancing. I said, but I want you to clap your hands if you believe there's hope. People started clapping their hands. I said, I'm going to pray that the power of God is here. I'm going to pray that the love of God is here. I'm going to pray that, that we come together in the name of Jesus Christ. I said, can you lift up your hands where you are? Everyone lifted their hands. I mean, there were Muslims there. There were atheists there. I mean, people of all ethnicities, all types of different ethnicities and religious backgrounds gathered together. And I began to pray, and I'm telling you, I, the power of God came down. People were, people were weeping under the power of God. And they were, they were weeping. The presence of God was manifest in such a mighty way. And people started clapping their hands. It was a church service right there in the middle of a tragedy. People glorifying God. I preached the gospel to them. I said, you need to repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be, 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 be filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I, I preached the gospel. But, but me showing up there in the love of God, what a representation of, of Jesus Christ. Um, I told them how to connect with, with uh, churches in the area. Well, after I was done praying, people started coming up to me. There was a Muslim that came up to me and said, man, how could there be a God with what's going on here? I told the brother, I told him, I said, listen, man, I'm not here to debate with you. I said, I'm here to show you the love of Jesus. I'm here to show you the love of Christ. And literally tears welled up in his eyes and he gave me his contact info. He gave me his uh, Facebook info, and we've been connected on Facebook ever since. Um, I didn't come to debate. I came to show love. You see, what God did, he didn't come to debate the world. He, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You, you, answer, you answer debate with action. You answer debate with love, and that's what we did here. And so I uploaded the video. That video went viral, seen by millions of people around the world. The power of God was so evident. We had so many uh, reports and messages of people, an 80-year-old atheist woman watching that video, and she got on down on her knees and lifted up her hands, and she started praying in the Holy Ghost, didn't even believe in God, but the power of God hit her. Police officers were reaching out to me saying that they were suffering from PTSD and how they felt that that spirit of, of depression lift off of them when they saw the video. Police officers' families reached out to me. Protesters were reaching out to me saying, thank you for bringing unity in this time. I'm talking about it was seen by millions of people around the world and people were finding churches in the area, going to church that Sunday, getting baptized, uh, getting filled with the Spirit, uh, lives being changed uh, forever. Uh, it was a bridge into unity and love, and it was it was it was an example there. I released video after video encouraging people not to operate in a spirit of revenge, but to operate in the love of God. 
And I stood biblically where the Bible even says, you know, love your enemies. I stood for love there and I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of friends because people were disappointed in me. Uh, there were some people disappointed in me that I didn't take like a political side, that I didn't uh, push Democrats or I didn't push Republicans or I didn't push this cause and I didn't push that cause. And I lost friends over it. Uh, but the love of God, love conquers all. And as time has gone on, people have seen the wisdom and the godliness in, in that decision uh, because I also I lost friends, but I also gained friends uh, on the left and on the right. I gained friends on uh, people and all of their political preferences and differences. They all found a meeting place in love, which is the cross. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He reached to the right and the left. And that's so powerful because he died for the right and the left. He died for the whole world. And that's what we live and we just decided to stay Bible-centered. And that's where the concept of Bible Center of Orlando came from, and, and Centro Biblico de Orlando, and Bible Center of Claremont. Uh, that's where this came from, because um, we understand that heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never pass away. And when you stand on the word, you know, you're going to come forth radiating with God's love and, and God's glory. But this is super, uh, this is a contrast uh, to the systems uh, of the world uh, that want us to be divided against one another. I want you to know that anybody that you look at, whether friend or foe, friend or enemy, Jesus Christ died for that person. And that person has a soul and he wants us to be the visual representation of love in that with that soul and so i did that with um, george floyd and i stood for love this is where i've always stood my entire ministry since i came into church i've always stood for love you'll never see me taking revenge or in on anyone or retaliating against anyone because i want to show the love of god i want to conform into his image that is my goal my goal is not popularity, success, or anything like that. My goal is to be more like Jesus. I gave up my college basketball scholarships. I gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships uh, not to be, I gave up being popular in the world, not to be popular in the church. I gave it up to please God and to be conformed into his image. I want to live for God and God wants us to come into that unity and love. And so um, people, a lot of people, I think I surprised a lot of people when uh, I didn't just preach it, but I lived it. Uh, and I don't just preach love, I live love. And I think God is trying to bring the church back into living, living love. You know, we are epistles that are, that people are reading, you know, Someone said it this way, it's the only Bible people will see is you. You know, some people won't come to church, but they'll see how you treat them on their job and how you treat them, uh, you know, in different settings, you know, grocery stores, 
we are the representation of the love of God. And I want to tell you something. The world is sick of, uh, you know, um, hypocritical uh, Christianity. Uh, someone said it this way. You know, when you think of Islam, you think of Muhammad. When you think of Buddhism, you think of Buddha. But they said when you think of Christianity, you think church. You don't think of Christ. You think of church. People think of doing church instead of being more like Christ. We have to get back to being more like Jesus Christ. And if Jesus can say, forgive them for they know not what they do, how much more should we say, forgive them for they know not what they do? I could never hold a grudge against anybody. I, I forgave my stepdad. My stepdad, as you, you've heard it time and time again, on how he used to, you know, beat me and, and throw things at me. I mean, uh, and the bruises that would be on my back and my lips, how they would be busted. Uh, I, I forgave him and I love him. If I can forgive my stepdad for for punching me and kicking me and uh, and and all of these things and locking me outside and locking me in closets and all of these things, if I could forgive him and love him, if I can forgive that, then someone speaking a negative word against me can never make me bitter because they didn't put their hands on me. Someone, you know, speaking or lying on me will can never make me hate them or be bitter at them. If I can forgive those things, nothing can make me hate is, is too great of a price uh, to walk in hate. I, I, I want to walk in the love of God. And so when you have that foundation of, of love, no one can pull me out from love. And, and that's, that's, that is important because that's what Jesus came uh, to do. Now, love messes with, uh, with systems. Love, love challenges systems. And um, I, I think that if we're going to impact the world, the most powerful thing that we could do is walk in love. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, he compares love to being a candle that a wind comes through and it causes the candle to wax cold. That you have to protect your love to make sure that nothing stops you from loving people. You don't want that candle, that candle of love to burn, to burn out. Because we see iniquity, which is lawlessness, because we see the behaviors of the world and how sinful the world gets, it's easy for it to come and that wind to come in and blow our love out. But we have to protect our love with everything in us because it's the only thing that's going to attract uh, the world into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have to guard that. Don't let anyone or anything take away your love. Now, love is firm. Now, people think love is something weak. Love is the strongest thing in the world. I want you to understand something. Jesus cast out the money changers out of the temple. He flipped over tables. But listen, Jesus was love manifested in the flesh. 
God is love. Jesus was love manifested in the flesh, meaning he did those things in love. Love is firm. He never ceased being love. While he was condemning the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the chief priests, he never stopped being love. Love is not weak. Love is strong. Love is firm. Love, love has a, an overwhelming, love is an overwhelming force. And uh, love is a, is, a, is a powerful thing. His love challenged the religious systems of the day uh, that, you know, condemned the women in adultery and they were going to throw stones at her. But he said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. See, love challenges the, the, uh, the, um, it, it challenges every person to, to come up to uh, a higher level. And I want to challenge you uh, to walk in the love of God. And this was a unique podcast episode because uh, you don't just want to talk about love. You don't just want to show scriptures about love, but you want to be love. He said, you, he said, that the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament, he said, it hangs upon love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That wraps up the entire Old Testament. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. We have to walk in that love. That's the challenge. That's a challenging thing. Uh, but it is a necessary, uh, it is a necessary challenge uh, to take. And I want to walk in that love. Our church, Bible Center of Orlando, we we want to show that love to every culture, every ethnicity. We have over 30 different nationalities in our church, but we all meet together in love, in the love of Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ is, was the greatest philosopher. He's the greatest teacher. He's the greatest, he's the greatest of them all. And he teaches us how to walk in that love. Whenever the disciples were uh, wanting to compete and be jealous of one another, he gave them examples on how to love. Uh, I put a post uh, uh, several months ago where I said um, that before God takes you to the next level, he will give you an opportunity to wash Judah's feet. If you are unwilling to do that, then you're not ready. You see, before God takes you to a new height, he gives you an opportunity to love your enemy. And if you cannot love them, then you're not ready. Uh, and Jesus Christ, knowing that Judas was betraying him and going to betray him, he got down on his hands and knees and he washed Judas' feet. That's a powerful thing when you know someone is about to inflict the most agonizing pain upon you but you are willing to wash their feet. What a, what a powerful representation of leadership to be like Jesus. And this episode is what I would term an application episode because to be Bible-centered doesn't just mean receiving knowledge and receiving revelation and understanding, but to be Bible-centered also means to live Bible-centered, meaning to put these principles into action in the world because we're not going to change the world by our head knowledge or by our Greek and Hebrew or how much we know and how much understanding and revelation we have. We're going to change the world by doing 
action, actions of love. You see, the apostles changed the world, uh, but it's not called the thoughts of the apostles, the intentions of the apostles, uh, the meditations of the apostles. No, it's called the acts of the apostles. There has to be acts of love. Treat somebody nice today. Treat somebody with love. Treat an enemy with love today because that's how they're going to see that there's something from another world that is empowering you to walk in that love. I, I challenge you to walk in the love of God. Um, I, 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 I hope that this podcast is, is challenging you. I, I gave you some details into the, the story with George Floyd uh, because there was one person that I met. His name was Purnell, and uh, I got to uh, witness and minister to him. And it's amazing that me going to George Floyd, it was the birthing place of God saying, Victor, you have to do more. You have to do more than just traveling. You have to do more than preaching. You have to create a refuge that all ethnicities could come in and experience the love of God. One of the first families that came to that first service when we planted our church in Orlando, where we started in that small community center, one of the first families that walks in, uh, that the name of the dad and the husband was Purnell. It was a different Purnell, but it was a reminder that we are here in the will of God to be a light to a broken world. And, we went from that community center room to that community center gym to uh, having a lease on Hanging Moss Road to now being in Colonial High School with 852 uh, seats in the auditorium where lives are being changed. English service, Spanish service. I'm preaching in English. I'm preaching in, preaching in English at 10, preaching in Spanish at 1230. All types of different nationalities coming together to receive the love of God and find a safe place, but but it's founded upon the principles of living the message, not just uh, preaching the message. And and I'll, I'll close with this, and I, I believe I've mentioned this before, but I, I talked about Jesus being on the ship, teaching to the multitudes on the seashore, that he's on the ship teaching, but the multitudes are so great they're on the seashore listening to him while he's teaching in the ship. And the Bible says that they took Jesus even as he was in the ship. And the Bible says that a storm arose. And the message is that the same ship that you teach in is the same ship that you're enduring. That what you expound, you will experience. What you preach in the day, you will live in the night. That God will never allow your revelation to be so great that he doesn't equalize it with experience. And he'll never allow your experiences to be so great that he doesn't equalize it with revelation. He will keep the messenger on the ship of adversity long enough until the messenger becomes the message. You see, we have to become the message, not just preach the message. And so the strength of my ministry is not just what I preach, but it's what I live. There has to be a lifestyle that backs up what's represented. And love is the greatest message to be, to be seen and to be experienced and to be lived out. Somebody answer the call 
to live out love. We're going to be releasing some uh, content today as well with me reading the book on the word to the broken. Also, we're going to be releasing a Spanish episode for those that that have subscribed. I pray this is a blessing. Uh, listen, listen to this episode. Let it get in your heart and answer the call to love, not just preach love, but to live love to even to those that that hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean signing up for abuse. That doesn't mean that allowing yourself to be abused. Uh, that's not what love is. Love create, creates boundaries. You need to put a boundary between you and any abusers. Uh, some people interpret love like, oh my goodness, I just got to keep getting abused. I got to keep getting abused. No, no, abuse is not of God. Abuse is abnormal use. Uh, put a boundary. Don't let anybody abuse you. I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying you love, you put a boundary between you and the abuser to protect your love. You don't need to engage with them. You don't need to engage with toxicity. You don't need to engage with somebody that's trying to destroy your family. No, you create a healthy distance and a healthy barrier, but you love them from a distance. So you create a boundary so so your love doesn't get tainted, so your love doesn't turn into hate. So the boundary is for them to stop hurting you and abusing you and is also to protect your love where you love them from a distance. So this podcast is not about you, is not glorifying abuse. Physical abuse is wrong. Emotional abuse is wrong. Verbal abuse is wrong. And spiritual abuse is wrong according to the word of God. And if you are suffering from any of those things, from anybody, I don't care who it is, you need to create a boundary. You need to create a boundary. You need to create a barrier to protect your love. Amen. And so that's, that's, that's important. And people talk about, um, in, in, in scripture, God warns about offenses coming, but he says, woe to the person by whom the offense comes. And he said, if you offend any of these children, he said, it's better for a millstone to be cast around your neck and cast into the sea. You see, it's amazing how our culture only holds the offended responsible. Listen to this. Our culture only of, holds the offended responsible. We say, don't be offended, don't be offended, don't be offended. But our culture never holds the offender responsible. But Jesus holds the offender responsible. You see that? But you see, man holds the offender responsible because man is often the offender. But God holds the offender and the offended responsible because he is the just judge and he is the healer. And many times the offender and the offended both need healing. And those that are doing the offending is from a place of lack of healing, lack of internal healing. Any bully that you see it needs to be healed because it's coming from a broken place. And so God holds the offender and the offended accountable because he is each of their healer. But we have a responsibility to love, but that doesn't mean sign up for abuse. And I want to clarify that because some people say love, love, and they get hit and they got black eyes and they're like, I just got to love them. No, that's not what love is. That's abuse. So you have to create a boundary, a boundary 
to create a, a distance to protect your love so you don't hate them, so you don't uh, uh, start getting tainted or bitter against them, but you pre- keep yourselves in uh, the love of God. So create that boundary. Create create that love them from a distance because there's no need to engage with toxicity on a daily basis. Um, that's a part of living Bible-centered. Uh there were times that they tried to throw Jesus off the cliff and Jesus just disappeared in the midst of them. Uh, sometimes it's good to disappear from some situations. Sometimes it's good to, to get out the way. But we have to understand that we have to protect our love and live love. And what did I say? Love is firm. Jesus, Jesus overthrew the tables. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He always did it in love. He never ceased to be himself, which is love. So love is also standing up for yourself. You ought to have a self-respect to not allow people to treat you any type of way because you can only love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love others properly if you don't love who you are. So, so, who God has created you to be. And as you seeing who God has made you, you're able to see who God has made others. And that's why the gifts of the spirit operate by love. You know, um, um, the gifts are only affected by love. The gifts of the spirit should never be used to hurt or retaliate or to harm anybody. It should always be used in the lens of love. Everything has to flow by love. Let me know what you guys think of this episode. This is a different, unique episode, but I pray it was a, a blessing, uh, uh, a message of action and living out the messenger, becoming the message. And that's what I am. I pray as with all the revelation God has given me, believe me, it has been equalized with adversity and with storms. And I'm thankful for it because the book that I wrote, A Word to the Broken, that is literally a 10-year process of revelation and pain. And I could not produce that message to you properly unless I went through the pain. This podcast wouldn't be effective if we didn't live it out. Our church wouldn't be effective if we didn't live it out. So live out love and make an impact on the world. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.